Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. Today is Denver Nuggets Day. We finally made it to the end of our last list of the offseason, our power ranking season previews. And at number one is the Denver Nuggets. And we're going to talk about their preseason so far, talk about some specific production from guys like Jamal Murray and some of their younger players as well. And then the second half of the show, we're going to do our full season preview like we usually do. We're going to go over the offseason changes, their depth chart, talk a little bit about what I expect to see from them this season, and then talk about why I have them at the top of my list of contenders specifically over each team. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. I'm also running video content on Instagram and TikTok this year, so follow me there as well. Don't forget to drop mailbag questions in our YouTube comments, and don't forget about our podcast feed under Hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So the Nuggets are 2-1 and one so far in preseason. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played yet, uh, but all four starters have played and have played well. They all have logged net ratings of at least plus seven points per 100 possessions. So they're picking up pretty much right where they left off. Jokic has been great. He's four out of six on hook shots and floaters, right at that two out of three like he always is. He's eight of nine at the rim. He's 55% effective field goal percentage on jump shots. He's run 12 self-creation possessions, either pick and rolls, isos, or post-ups. And, uh, or excuse me, he's run eight of them and he's gotten 12 points out of them. That's a point and a half per possession. So Jokic is, you know, more or less what you expect to see from Jokic. Jamal Murray has been exciting. I talked a lot in the player rankings video this summer. I put him at number 16, if you guys remember. And one of the things I said was like one of the things that he needs to actually be on the level of his peers. And I have him higher than most people because I value playoff success uh, so much compared to other people. I get crap for that on this show all the time, right? But like, in order to get up to the level of the Shea Gilgis-Alexanders and the Devin Bookers and some of the other guards at the top of the league, he needs to demonstrate that he can do it in the regular season. 
And then we got to media day, and Mike Malone basically said the same thing, challenging Jamal Murray to demonstrate that he could do it over the course of the regular season. Now, in the preseason, it's tough to kind of like put those numbers together from the standpoint of them playing limited shifts, right, because they're trying to keep their minutes down in the preseason. But if I extrapolate out uh, to per 36, which uh, per 36 is an imperfect way to kind of take like a limited shift and turn it into what that production would look like in a normal NBA game, right? Like Jamal Murray actually played about 33 minutes per game last year, but a lot of the best players in the league kind of hover in that 34 to 36 minute range. So it's a way to kind of extrapolate out, right? Well, Jamal Murray is averaging 25 points in preseason so far per 36 minutes to go with three rebounds and 9.4 assists per 36 minutes with just 1.9 turnovers per 36 minutes. So that's 25, three and nine. That's all-star production. If he does that for a top four seed in the Western conference, especially coming off of a champ, a championship run where he was playing like a superstar, I think he's going to get onto the all-star team at that point, potentially even make all NBA depending on how things go. And, What's crazy is he's putting up that 25, 3, and 9 per 36, despite going just 2 for 12 from 3 so far in preseason. He hasn't been able to dial it up from there. His mid-range has been on. He's 7 for 9 from the mid-range. He's shown the strength and patience you're accustomed to seeing from Jamal Murray around the rim. He's 5 for 6 at the rim. He looks super, super comfortable in their offense. You can literally see things slowing down for Jamal Murray. He's got such a great understanding of what his role is in this offense as he kind of manipulates help defenders and waits for things to develop. He's taking great care of the basketball. Again, guys, like 15 assists and three turnovers so far in preseason. It's hard to not uh, be excited about what that kind of bodes for this particular regular season. And it extends beyond a bunch of different things. Like a lot of people have kind of painted the Jamal Murray experience as like, oh, he's a, just a postseason player. And I've pushed back on that. If you guys remember, what I said was he kind of started to take this leap during the 2020 bubble, Right. That was when uh, when he was going toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell, when he was hitting big shots against the Clippers, when he was hitting big shots against the Lakers. That was when I kind of saw Jamal Murray kind of ascending into a you know great playoff player, one of the best guards in the league, right? But then what happens? The same thing that happened to most of the players that played in the bubble and deep playoff runs. We had that really quick like two-month turnaround before we started the regular season, and he came into that following season – Kind of a shell of himself. Uh, it would be it would have been weird if he came into the season just locked in and ready to go, right? A lot of the core players who played in the postseason struggled at that point, right? Like the the Heat got off to a weird start that season. Uh, uh, Anthony Davis before his uh, injury, you know, a third of the way through the season, he was only averaging like 21 points per game. So like a lot of the guys who went on deep bubble playoff runs kind of struggled to start the next season and everyone's like, oh, it's the bubble's fake. No, it's not what it was. The guys were just tired. They were tired because they just finished playing in October or late November or late uh, September for, uh, for Jamal. They had just finished before they had to roll up into the next season and it's just difficult on players' bodies, right? Then Jamal actually literally gets hurt. And then that whole following season, he misses the season. And then last year, he was kind of working his way back from the injury. And I've talked a lot on this show about the difference between actually being healthy and actually trusting your limb from the standpoint of your mentality and your willingness to plant hard and make super explosive moves. And so 
Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that it wasn't until kind of the later portion of the season and into the postseason that Jamal Murray really started to look like the old Jamal Murray. So I don't think the narrative that Jamal Murray's not a good regular season player is necessarily fair. I think he became really freaking good in the playoffs in 2020, and he's never had a normal regular season since then where he's either not coming off of an injury or, you know, coming off of a playoff run literally a couple of weeks before, right? So I, I think he's just going to come into the season and, 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 and continue to cook at the same rate he was cooking last year in the playoffs. And make no mistake, he was cooking like a superstar in the playoffs last year, which is why I ranked him at number 16 in our player rankings ahead of a lot of guys that have better reputations around the league. But I thought that was a, a, an encouraging start to the preseason for Jamal Murray. Uh, KCP looks locked in. He's made eight of his 11 jump shots so far in preseason. Aaron Gordon's jumper's been off, but he's been great in every other area of the game, as you can expect. But the guy that's really jumped off the screen in preseason, a guy I've been looking forward to to catching up on, I've been hearing all this talk about Julian Strother, Julian Strother. And uh, obviously, like, the Nuggets made the fewest changes of all of the contenders this year, right? Like, if we go down my list of the six top-tier contenders – it's like the Bucks went and got Drew Holiday and Christoph, or uh, the Bucks went and got Damian Lillard. The Celtics got Drew Holiday and Christoph Porzingis. The Suns got Bradley Beal and upgraded their role players. The Lakers got significantly deeper, brought in Gabe Vincent and Torian Prince, a couple of fringe starter level players in the NBA. Right, like uh, the Warriors went and got Chris Paul and brought in Dario Saric. They all made like these pretty significant changes to their roster, and the Nuggets basically brought everybody back. And so. I've been prioritizing my coverage surrounding the new teams because we're talking about what's new and what's different. And so I've been excited to finally kind of come here uh, a week before the start of the regular season, which is literally today, a week before the start of the regular season, and kind of touch base with the Nuggets and finally sit down and watch Julian Strother. And it's been amazing. He was a, a, uh, For those of you guys who aren't kind of in the loop on this, he was a late first-round pick, uh, a player out of Gonzaga, like a scoring guard wing uh, who's six foot six with a six nine wingspan? Primarily played off the ball at Gonzaga. Would take some movement threes and things along those lines, but didn't take a lot of pull up jump shots. Didn't run a ton of pick and roll compared to some of the higher volume ball handlers in the league. And he's coming into preseason and just looking like a classic on ball scoring threat. He's averaging twenty points per game so far in preseason in just twenty two minutes per game. He's shooting fifty eight percent from the field, fifty percent from three, and most importantly, he's brought something that none of us saw coming out of college, and that's like real fluidity in his dribble pull up jump shot game. He's got great feel, understanding where the opportunities are to take pull-up jump shots. Like, there are little gaps in pick-and-roll coverage. Like, when the big shows, not a great time to shoot. But right as he's recovering back to the roll man, that's when there can be an opening between when the guard recovers and when the big is is rolling away, right? Soft spots in the mid-range that can uh, materialize, right? He's got a really good feel for that sort of thing. And most importantly, he looks super, super confident. He's methodically working off the bounce, getting to these spots, and just looks like he believes he's going to make them. And guess what? He's made damn near all of them. He's made nine pull-up jump shots so far in preseason. Or excuse me, he's taken nine pull-up jump shots so far in preseason, made six of them. Five of them are pull-up threes. On all jump shots so far in preseason, he's at 76% in effective field goal percentage. He's hit them off the catch. He's hit them off the move. He's hit them in pick and roll. He's hit them in isos. It's been really, truly impressive. And again, it's not just a dude hitting shots because we've seen that. We've seen a role player come in and knock down his catch and shoot threes, right? That's not what this is. This is a confident score. 
and that is demonstrating something that he clearly has been working on all offseason. He's run seven pick and rolls, and the, uh, and the Nuggets have scored 14 points on them. That's two points per possession. That's insane. He's shown the ability to capitalize on the soft spot. He's got a beautiful floater. He's taken six floaters in preseason and made six or made five of them. Five out of six. This is like incredibly high level shot making, and he's doing it. Uh, he's doing it at the NBA level now. And I, I know it's just preseason, but I, 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 I think especially when you factor in the type of role he's going to have on this team, coming off the bench and looking to be aggressive as a scorer in bench units, these are the quality of players he's going to be going against most of the time. This is a guy who straight up did not have a pull-up jumper in college. He made 20 of them all season last year on low efficiency. So this is clearly a guy who's been in the gym all summer. This is not something that happens overnight. I've told you guys, like when it comes to in, like improvements in ball handling and shooting, it is incremental. It happens little by little by little. And, and, and so when you see a guy make a gigantic leap, that to me is such a great indicator of work ethic. Why do you think I've been so high on guys like Jabari Smith Jr., right? When I see guys go from a, turning a weakness into strength in such a short period of time, that to me is a great indicator of the intangible stuff. And look, like the Denver bench needs some guys to pop. When you lose Jeff Green and when you lose – I mean, Jeff Green wasn't great last year, but obviously they trusted him over some of the younger guys like Zeke Nagy and Peyton Watson, right? So like when you've got – uh, Bruce Brown out of the picture. When you got Jeff Green out of the picture, you need guys to step up into these positions and and show some pop. And you know, like I, one for two. I mean, Jalen Pickett's been a little bit uh, uneven. I, I think he's kind of a weird player. His release is a little slow. It's a little funky. It's got a little bit of a hitch in it. And uh, I I'm not sure what to make of Jalen Pickett at this point. But like Julian Strother legitimately looks like he could be really really good. It looks like it could be a huge win for this front office. And you can kind of envision lineups with like him and Reggie Jackson with like one of the starters and like Zeke Nagy and Peyton Watson just being really young, really athletic, uh, and have the scoring punch with guys like Reggie Jackson and Julian Strother to make to at least give yourself a fighting chance to float those minutes, right? I always love Gonzaga guys too. They kind of remind me of Villanova guys. Like every guy that comes out of Gonzaga just seems to know how to play within a winning context, and it uh, it knows how to like like uh, do the little things. Mark Few just does a really good job coaching those guys. All right, let's take a look at our uh, Nugget season preview. Our number one, number one Denver Nuggets. I, I was talking with. Uh, uh, Logan, our head of content here at the volume, and uh, he was trying to guess the top three or four of my power rankings. And uh, I t- uh, he had thought I would have a different team at number one, and then I told him I had the Nuggets at number one. And he goes like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're a loyalist of the banner. And I've never heard that expression before, but I'm stealing it from Logan, and it's the catchphrase of this show now. This show, Hoops Tonight, is a loyalist of the banner. Winning to me means absolutely everything in the NBA. I've told you guys, I told you guys, the uh, Nuggets fans in particular, this several times over the course of the last couple of years. Like, yeah, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to winners, but once you've done it, to me now I give that same benefit of the doubt to you. Was I a guy who was somewhat lower on Jokic than the than the consensus over the course of the previous few years? Yeah, 
But now that he's proven that he can do it at this level, I'll defend him to the dirty end. And to me, like, look, I've seen a lot of guys push back on ring culture. And, like, I understand that there are some downsides to ring culture. There are different kinds of conversations to have about basketball, right? Like, I think we can be a fan of the game and appreciate things that go beyond winning. And obviously, God knows I do that. But in the big picture, why do we do this? Why do you root for your team? Why does anybody work as hard as they do in the offseason? Forget about basketball. Think about anything that you do in your life. Like if you if you are trying to be great at a thing, what drives you is the desire to win. Winning t- does matter at the end of the day. And like I, I understand that not everyone sees it the way that I see it, but to me like the championship, the Larry O'Brien trophy is completely sacred. And like when you've when you've won that, it it has to mean something. And to me, like, and we're gonna talk about this when we get to the competitors. I have basketball reasons why I believe Denver is my championship favorite, and we'll get into those. But also, like, there's nothing theoretical about Milwaukee, or theoretical about Boston, or theoretical about Phoenix or LA, or theoretical about the Warriors that to me can overcome the tangible, real accomplishment of the Nuggets kicking everyone's ass last year. I think that should matter. You know, like, I want bragging rights. And I think it goes both ways. If you lose, you get motivated to get back to the top. But if you win, there's that's got to mean something. So I've got the Nuggets at number one for right now. We'll talk more about the reasons why here in a little bit. A little off-season recap. They lost Bruce Brown, uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, Jeff Green, and Ish Smith. They added Justin Holiday and a couple of draft picks in the late first, early second. Julius, uh, Julian Strother and Jalen Pickett, who we talked about earlier. The depth chart right now, they're a little thin, uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. At guard, Jamal Murray, KCP, Reggie Jackson, and Julian Strother at forward. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday is kind of like a guard forward. Uh, Christian Brown could technically be a guard forward as well. At center, uh, Nikola Jokic, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Vlatko Kansar, and Zeke Nagy. Zeke Nagy is another guy that can kind of, kind of masquerade as a guard, or excuse me, as like a forward as well. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Depth concerns. A lot of people talking about depth with the Nuggets. Uh, But these are same... These are the same types of concerns that surrounded the Nuggets last year, right? All the things that I could say about the Nuggets this year. Do they have a good enough bench? Are, are, can they withstand a significant injury? Can they defend at a high enough level? All of those things were the same questions surrounding the team last year, and they kicked everyone's ass. And so, again, like I, I try not to galaxy brain this kind of stuff. Uh, are, are they going to be able to, like, are they going to be able to withstand a significant injury? Probably not. But I could say the same thing about every one of these teams. Like, if Jamal Murray gets hurt, the Nuggets aren't winning a title. Sorry. Right? But uh, if Dame gets hurt, are the Bucks winning the title? No. Like, I would argue even the Celtics are kind of precariously on that uh, that line because they don't have the high-end half-court shot creation, right? Like, if Jalen Brown or, or Derek White gets hurt, like, they probably can't win the title. The Lakers, if LeBron James – even if Austin Reeves went down, I'd immediately be – thinking the Lakers have no chance, right? The Warriors, their core six or seven guys, same type of thing. Same thing goes with the Suns. Like you, None of these teams can withstand a significant injury. The league is too talented. It's too deep and, and wide open, and there's too much parity at the top. So I, I, don't think that, I don't think that that's a valid criticism when the same could be said about any of these teams. Now, the Bruce Brown loss is significant. He was like a sixth starter for the Nuggets last year. As a matter of fact, he was fifth in scoring for the Nuggets in the postseason. He went for double figures in 15 of their 20 games in the playoffs and had some pretty significant matchups that he dominated, most notably against D'Angelo Russell in the Lakers series. They used him for 27 minutes a game throughout the entire playoff run, so that's significant. Now, the, the, that brings to the next question. Okay, Jason, you uh, are saying that they've lost Bruce Brown, who's this significant piece, and they didn't bring in anybody who's – uh, of any sort of significant influx of talent, right? Like I, 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 I like uh, Justin Holiday, but is he even in the same stratosphere as a player as Bruce Brown? No. Like the, these younger players, I really like Julian Strother, but like how many times in NBA history does a rookie come in and monumentally swing championship odds? Never, right? Like uh, uh, can Zeke Naji and Peyton Watson come in and play at a similar level to Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan frontline or or Thomas Bryant frontline. Like, yeah, I think they, I think they can, but those were, that that's a pretty low bar. Right. So like, I don't think there's anything significant that they did as an improvement. So the question is, if that's not the case and the bucks 
got better, added uh, Dame, and the Celtics got better, added Drew and Kristaps Porzingis, right? And the Lakers got better, adding Gabe Vincent and Torian Prince and bringing everybody back for the continuity and, and bolstering their backup center position. And the Suns brought in Bradley Beal and and uh, brought in better role players than they had last year. And the Warriors bringing Chris Pollock. If that's the case, why do I still have the Nuggets at the fa- as, of, uh, as the favor, uh, favorite still? And it's really this simple to me. They still have the most unguardable offense in the NBA. Um, all you, most of you Nuggets fans might be aware of uh, uh, Swipe a Cam. He covers the team. He's actually going to be doing a, a show this year with um, with Matt Moore and Adam Morris, two guys you know. I think who do the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. So if you haven't met Cam, you're going to meet him this year. Uh, but I went on his show last week and we talked for like an hour and 40 minutes about a bunch of stuff around the league. But we talked a lot about the Nuggets and we talked a lot about their specific playoff run last year. And, you know, the the thing is, is I I really do think that the talk of the defense from the Nuggets in the playoffs was a little overrated. And the only reason I mean that or say that is the Wolves were a bad offense all year. The Lakers were a bad offense all year. And the uh, Heat were a bad offense all year. So, like, I do think that there's something to be said about, like, the Denver Nuggets offense not really being challenged to the point where, like, you could actually find out what they're capable of. But on the other side of that coin, the Timberwolves, the Lakers, and the Heat were three of the very best defenses last year. Uh, specifically within the postseason context and those rosters that were available, because obviously there were some roster changes along the way, those were really good defenses that the Nuggets cut to pieces, like utterly demolished. There were little moments here or there where the Lakers got some stops or the Wolves got some stops or the Heat got some stops, but at the end of the day, the Nuggets were able to solve those defenses. And so like the reality is, is in order to beat the Nuggets, you need one of two things to happen. You need a team that is a truly elite offense and a truly elite defense, which we'll go through the contenders, but I, I, I don't necessarily think one of those teams exists right now. Or you need one of the core Nuggets players to get hurt. And so from that standpoint, to me, like I can count on the Nuggets offense to find a way to score against anybody in the league. Is there a team that can hold them to that level that those defenses did last year, because God knows what it could have been if they faced four offensive-minded teams, right? Can they find a team that can make them work as hard as some of those defenses did, but also make them pay on the other end? I don't know if that team exists. Because here's, you can't say whatever you want about the Nuggets defense. The 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 Jokic pick-and-roll coverages they use, the schemes that, that Mike Malone implemented, they worked well enough against the teams that they played against last year. And so, I mean, like, I don't, I don't necessarily see a team that can solve that specific problem. And, 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 like, here's the thing. Will the Nuggets repeat? Probably not, just because of what NBA history tells us, right? Like, the last team that even won their conference two times in a row was the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. So, every year, we see different teams win their conference and different teams win the championship. That's just kind of the nature of the NBA at this point. Uh, too much depth of talent. Uh, stars are linking up all over the place. It's just really, really hard to dominate the league the way teams have done in the past, right? But that said, is there any single team that I'd pick over the Nuggets? Like for the Bucks, they have a real perimeter defense issue. 
And they're also super vulnerable from the standpoint of depth and injuries to their core players. For the Celtics, did they really alleviate the Jason Tatum half-court offense shot creation element? Not really. And they sacrificed depth to upgrade at point guard and center. For the Suns, I, I really don't trust their ability to get into a damn rock fight and defend and rebound and be physical and and be able to knock down pull-up jump shots while doing that. Not to mention just the general process of taking pull-up jump shots primarily in your offense and us never really seeing a team win a title that way. The Lakers have all the depth in the world, but they lack perimeter defense too. And then we talked about this ad nauseum all summer, but their shot making is a huge weakness against the top teams in the league. Unless we see some gigantic improvement from LeBron and AD. And then the Warriors, I think they're clearly worse than all those teams, even though I'll always consider them a competitor, a contender because of their starting five. They're older, they're smaller than everybody, they lack depth as well. So, like, again, if I had to choose the field or to choose the Nuggets, I would probably choose the field just because of what NBA history tells us from the standpoint of just parity and the and how you have to get lucky now. You got to get injury luck. You got to get a matchup here or there that breaks your way. You got to avoid one of the top teams in the league because they happen to choke and lose early. Like you, I'm not criticizing the Nuggets last year because every title has been like this, right? Like the, the Nuggets didn't have to face the Celtics or Bucks and primarily faced limited offenses and they were a limited defense. They got a little bit lucky, right? Looking at the Warriors, right? You catch the LeBron and AD messing around with the uh, uh, Russell Westbrook thing and how that kind of removed them from the equation. The Suns, who were the best team in the league all season, uh, there's this weird COVID thing and then Luka mentally dominates them and all of a sudden you have a pretty limited Dallas Mavericks team in the conference finals, right? And then you get to face a, a Boston Celtics team that's obviously very good but is led by a super young superstar that got scared in front of Steph Curry. You go back to 2021 and it's like, wait, the Paul George, no Kawhi Clippers were in the conference finals and Trey Young and the Hawks were in the conference finals and Giannis had to play a team with no top 10 players to win the trophy. You know, you go back to 2020 and it's like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are on their couches for LeBron and Anthony Davis to dominate everybody in the bubble. You go back to 2019 and you have the Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson injuries. Like it's just, you go back to 2018 and you have the Chris Paul injury when they're up three, two, like every champion gets lucky. That's just the reality. It's such an important part of the equation. And so in a league this deep, it's, it's hard to imagine things breaking right for the Nuggets again just based on what happens in recent NBA history, but there is no singular team that their specific situation appears better to, than Denver for me. So in a wide open league, and this again, I want to be clear, this is a basketball case. It's not just, I am a loyalist of the banner. I do believe the Nuggets deserve to have the bragging rights throughout this entire season. But also, fundamentally, they have the best player in the world, the most unguardable playoff offense in the world, and they have proven the ability to take limited offenses in the playoffs and guard them well, even if they defend well on the other end of the floor. And Jamal Murray has proven multiple postseasons now to be able to produce at a superstar level as a legitimate number two alongside Nikola Jokic. That makes him a safer bet. They also have the best home court advantage in the NBA statistically. It's just hard to go any other direction right now as a pick than the Denver Nuggets. All right, two mailbag questions before we get out of here today. First is from Felipe. Most people have Phoenix above the Lakers, even though they can't guard Jokic or AD. 
How would you see a potential Phoenix-Denver and Phoenix-LA matchup? So Denver and LA, in my opinion, are the two most physically imposing teams in the entire NBA, other than maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, right? And that's really more of a Giannis thing, right? Um, their front lines are just massive. With the Lakers, it's like you have to deal with Anthony Davis. You have to deal with LeBron James and his big physical matchup attacking. You have to deal with uh, with Rui Hachimura and his big physical matchup attacking. They're going. They're big at all at all these positions, right? Even their guards, I mean, they're not as athletic as they should be, but D'Angelo Russell can post up smaller defenders. We saw him do that to Steph Curry a lot in the postseason last year, right? We go to the Nuggets, they're huge. It's it's Nikola Jokic, probably the most physically imposing center in the league. It's Aaron Gordon, you know, in that archetype of big, strong role player forward. He's one of the top three or four guys in the league at that position. He was a great rebounder, six foot ten. There was a play in the uh, or game, remember game one of the NBA Finals that the, the, they just opened up against the Heat by just giving the ball to Aaron Gordon in the post and him dominating everybody. They play a six ten three in Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray is a big physically imposing guard who can who can inflict that on smaller guards around the league. So the Lakers and Nuggets to me are the two most physically imposing teams. And in order to beat them, you have to hold up under that physical onslaught. And, like, I have no a doubt that the Suns are going to win a shit ton of regular season games with all their offensive skill. But, like, there is, a, there, there is something to be said about playing in a physical environment and the impact that has on your ability to knock down pull-up jump shots. In, a, in, in general, it's really difficult to knock down enough pull-up jump shots to be an efficient offense. But when you factor in doing that against a team that's beating you up on the other end and wearing you down and making those jump shots even harder, I don't think it's a coincidence that most pull-up jump shooters go down in efficiency when they end up in settings like that. We even saw Steph Curry have his least efficient postseason uh, or postseason series since uh, I think it, in like five years. It was back to like the 2019 series against the Rockets because they were so damn physical with him. The Lakers were all over the place. Like I, I just I'm not I'm not a, a doubter in the Suns and in, in, in what they're capable of from the the standpoint of their ceiling with all the talent that they have. To me, it's just a simple reality of the way playoff basketball goes. It always degenerates into a knockdown, dragout fist fight. And the teams that rely on really tough shot making, as opposed to as like a as like a counter, like the Nuggets made a lot of tough shots. Jokic and Murray, crazy end of clock shots in key moments throughout the postseason. That was not their bread and butter. They made those shots when they needed to as like a ceiling raiser. For the Suns, that is who they are. In that first preseason game that uh, that uh, Booker, I'm going to check up on the Suns' more recent preseason games later this week, but in that first preseason game, Booker, KD, and Beal took 21 shots and what, 15 or 16 of them were pull-up jump shots. That's not their counter. That's not how they rescue possessions at the end of the clock. That's literally what they do every single possession. So I, I just don't trust that in a seven-game series the way that I trust Denver and, uh, and uh, L.A. Final mailbag question. I was curious why you don't talk about the w, WNBA during the offseason, considering the WNBA playoffs occur when NBA basketball is in its offseason, and it would give us some basketball content to go over. Also, I am just interested in analysis on WNBA games. I'm watching the WNBA finals now, and their style of play is very different from NBA ball. So I don't cover uh, the WNBA for the same reason I don't cover college basketball. Um, I am a big believer in, like, if you spread yourself too thin, all it does is sacrifice the quality of work. Um, there are a lot of people out there that cover the WNBA and do a really good job. But for me, like in order to be the best NBA analyst that I can be, 
I need to devote my attention and energy towards the NBA. And so like, I have a very specific calendar, right? Like from basically now all the way through to the middle of June, it's NBA basketball. But then when we get to the middle of June, like immediately after that, I'm going to start looking at draft prospects and I'm not going to watch a ton of college hoops. I'm going to watch specific film on specific players and specific traits that might be able to translate to the NBA level. Then we get into uh, to the uh, uh, free agent period, right, in July, right? And then I have NBA Summer League, right? And then my wife and I like to go on vacation for a little while. And then when I get back, like I, there are specific things that I want to do every single summer. The player rankings are something that are very important to me. To me, that's like kind of a, a really fun part of the NBA offseason is like, where are these guys at in terms of bragging rights? going into this following season. And also, if anything, I'm looking to cut back in how much I work in the off season. I was uh, talking with my wife the other day, but after we got back from Japan, because I took like 16 days off of work, which was the first time I had taken a significant chunk of time off since I got hired. And I, uh, uh, over the course of the following 10 weeks, I did 55 videos. And that's literally five and a half per week. And I literally, I've talked to the powers that be already and I've talked to my wife, like I'm not doing that next year. Like it just, I, I just, I need to eventually take it a little easy, especially with how hard I go during the regular season. So I, it would be a disservice if I did a, a half-assed bullshit job covering the WNBA and I don't see any sort of opportunity in my schedule to do it well. And so I'm going to leave it to the people that do it well and just focus on on uh, my specific wheelhouse, which is the NBA. But that is a great question. I'm not one of those guys who uh, who hates on the WNBA or thinks it's boring. Whenever I do flick channels and turn on a WNBA game, I enjoy it because I love basketball and I'm super impressed by the individual players. I have really enjoyed women's college hoops. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, W uh, the women's national tournament last year. I um, I wanted to order the Sabrina Ionescu uh, basketball shoes from Nike and they straight up don't make them in my size. So that was a huge bummer. Like it's not an anti WNBA take. It's just, it's just literally the reality of my predicament from the standpoint of time management and, and me not wanting to uh, put out, you know, half-assed or bullshit content. Uh, but great question. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. Uh, don't forget to keep dropping mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. We are now officially done with the power rankings. We're going to do probably a two more preseason reactions this week of some kind. And then probably uh, uh, on Monday, we'll probably do some form of season predictions episode of some kind. And then Tuesday, we are covering Nuggets Lakers and uh, what is it? Warriors Suns. I'm not even sure what the second game is, but we will be uh, uh, getting into the usual routine of, of covering our daily NBA lives starting next Tuesday. I appreciate you guys rocking with me this summer. I know I announced a new YouTube channel yesterday. I don't know when they're officially launching it, um, but it's supposed to be this week. So just keep an eye on the, when it's, when it's actually official, I'll, I'll start announcing it at the beginning of every show. But I think it, one of my biggest goals this year is to build the, that YouTube channel into something significant. So uh, when that does happen, if you guys could take the time to subscribe, I would really appreciate it. Uh, but again, I appreciate you guys and all your support over the course of the summer um, and for supporting through those lists. We will be back tomorrow with more preseason reaction content.
the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.